Yo, what's up? It's CJ Today Slayer from the Upgrade America podcast. You already know. Thanks for listening, liking, sharing, subscribing. Yo, just we appreciate you upgraders tuning in. Um, this episode, we're going to talk about the secret police in America. Is that a growing movement? We're also going to talk a little bit about Biden and Trump upcoming election. And yeah. Stay tuned for the rest. Appreciate your support. Upgrade America. That's what we all about. Shout out to our listeners in Virginia and Ireland, our number one group internationally on the audio side. Really appreciate you. Y'all take care. Be safe. Be blessed. Peace out. He's part of my agenda. We will never surrender. Camera for president. Upgrade America. Let's build a better nation where the citizens don't fear the cops. Signing off sincerely, yours clearly is right. And we're not gonna take it. Another black king. Full on upgraders. Come all you haters. Yeah, I mean, anyone who I've dated in the past and goes out of their way to give me a thumbs down just to mess with my metrics. Yeah, I'm talking to you. God bless you. Much love to friends and family, but I suppose we're all family when we work together to upgrade America. <laughs> yeah, our mission is to thumb down politics and encourage and instruct our viewers not only to vote, but to run for office. These unprecedented times, you know, and the current events, they should really motivate you to Upgrade America. <laughs> Had to throw that out there again. Today we're talking about secret police. I say again for the YouTube algorithm, secret police and this brash authoritarian surge of super cops in major cities across the US. Oh, by the way, I'm Cameron Ra, 2020 independent president, actual candidate and host and executive producer of Upgrade America. I'm blessed to be here on this glorious Sunday with CJ the Day Slayer. Talk money to you, bro. What's happening? What up? Grateful. I'm here, ready to rock. Cheers. Ready to rock. So, uh, what else we got on the agenda besides uh, talking about secret police and super cops and, and all that good stuff? <laughs> Do it yourself politics, one of our favorite new segments that we we're presenting. How to run an effective campaign in the 21st century, including the Rona aspect. So we got to kind of tie that in there now. And we wrote the handbook on how to do that. I know, right? <laughs> we got a... Uh, he was doing an a old online campaign way before social distancing. Very so true. We were ahead of the game with strategizing and how to do that. And again, like I said, part of our mission statement is to get you involved in the politics. You may not want to run for president, but mayor, Congress, these things are well within your grasp. And uh, don't let age or experience deter you, you know? But anyways, um, as far as rapid headlines, any notable uh, other subjects we're covering? Well, we're gonna let you discuss one of your newest passions endeavors is 3D printing. Okay. Uh, we're also going to touch on Biden versus Trump in the polls for the election. How the polls looking? You know, we're going to give you all a little update on that. All right, stand by one moment. I think uh, we lost you on the video, bro. Okay, yeah. Let's see. Uh, 
Uh, let's check, let's check, let's check. Should be. Oh, yeah. Let's see. That's weird. But uh, and in the meantime, I will troubleshoot and um. There I am. Okay, no. there you go. Okay, I don't know what happened. My bad. Well, you back on. All right. Um. But yeah, back. how's life down there in Florida, man? Uh, nice and toasty. Um, so I get my guaranteed vitamin D from the sunlight. That melanin, that vibranium. Um, cases are crazy. Leadership is horrible as far as our uh, governor, senator, all of them are horrible. So we're going to see Florida's in a fucked up place, to be honest. Um, I don't feel, how should I put it? I don't feel it, but I know it's going on around. So, um, go ahead. No, I mean, like, um, I guess what I keep hearing in Florida is kind of leading the charge right now. I'm going to make sure you're safe down there and, um, you know, we can press on with our beloved show. Yeah, I know, right? Um, oh, let me finish doing a couple more rundowns and we'll jump right into it. Um, let's see. Interesting question we're going to discuss. Is Biden's VP really going to be acting as president, say, if he wins? due to his cognitive issues. We're gonna kind of talk about that. We kind of touched on it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, with Obama's third term. Yeah, so I just want to bring that up. Uh, rapid race car topics, black stock exchange, woman hung in Texas, unfortunately, young lady out there, black American social media app on the horizon. That's what's up. Um, the not fucking around, what is it? Uh, oh, so we're gonna talk about them, but are they COINTEL Pro? We gotta dig in a little bit on that. Um, Again, are, like you said, you can't uh, always jump on, you know, fall for the hype, and that's what's like. It's uh, you gotta really analyze and, and look at things before you be yeah. like, yeah, I like those guys. But yo, please elaborate, bro. Uh, what else are we discussing? Got a great okay. show. Uh, Trump slowing down the mail because election season's coming now. So you know we're doing a lot of mail in uh, ballots. So we're yeah, gonna yeah. Um, what else? KFC growing meat. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> and deep blue sea in Florida, the mystery of the unknown ocean. So we're gonna dive into that a little bit. See what I did there. Oh, yeah, I see what you did that in test one. <laughs> Man, so we'll be leading this thing off. I guess we got some shout outs. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not committing to any dates just yet, but in the near future we will be discussing our plans with Akon with international rap artist Feral P from the Imperial Bilderberg group. Shout out to Flawless. And yeah, we're gonna be talking about Acoin, Rockcoin, and future cities like Skyward. By the way, check out the book. Skyward Building the Dream, available on Amazon Kindle, and we'll also be showcasing the Bilderberg Group. I got the mind of the soul of a panther. Leak shots for European the Black Panthers. And you don't really wonder with that black mamba. I speak voodoo on Kimmy, that's the black power. Fuck Kruger, Hail Mary, I never knew her. Let's keep it real, stack chips and recruit shooters. I speak Ruger, infrared, a rip through ya. I'm top dollar, the showstopper, the coke copper, Ferragamo.
Well, um, this is going to be a really great experience for us to work with another big name and, uh, you know, showcase a lot, uh, some of their endeavors. It's um, very, very exciting. But um, do you got anyone you want to shout out, CJ? Uh, shout out to Goodman, my man. This is little uh, shirt brand, Argyle. Check him out. Um, that's really about it. And then shout out to our upgraders. 21 countries, our top upgraders are Ireland. Shout out to you, Ireland. And then in the States, Virginia is our number one group of listeners, our upgraders. And we got 36 states on board. So we're trying to get that charge to 50. Um, yeah, and then shout out to the young generation for actually tuning in, like under 18, 18 and up, like mid twenties. I see that group growing as well. Shout out to you guys. Really appreciate. So, our uh, our main event that we're discussing is we're talking about the secret police and um, that have been deployed to uh, what it started in Portland. Yeah, Portland is ramped up, and now it's uh it's it's going to uh, Chicago, Philadelphia, New York. Uh, yeah. I do believe there's a couple cities on in uh, Arizona. As yeah, well, Albuquerque. Um, I want to say Los Angeles and San Jose, Kansas City, California, and Kansas City. Uh, you're right. So, anyways, the the, the troop strength is, is estimated to be uh, about seventy five thousand of these highly trained. Uh, I'm I'm calling them quote unquote super cops because they, in my opinion, they they're far better trained. Than, than your average uh, law enforcement individual. So I want to ask you, uh, just this is speculation, of course, but what type of training or, or background do you think these uh, individuals may have had? Well, they got federal training. <laughs> so mm -hmm. anti-terrorism, chemical warfare, basically stuff we were trained in in the Air Force for right. our specialty. So pretty much everything we did, probably a little more supersized or in the same vein. Because, you know, we had a lot of specialty training. Yes, indeed. Career. We had opportunities for that stuff, too. So, yeah. You know, the, the t here's the thing. Um, these guys are better trained. Mm -hmm. right? So better trained, I, I, I would like to assume that that means they these guys know their use of force model in and out. They know mm -hmm. what a... Sure. Uh, what a reasonable officer can and cannot do. So I, I want to say that's a silver lining, perhaps. But yeah. when you're considering, I, I, I dare say that many of these guys may have some spec ops trainings. It may be uh, some specialized uh, military training. You know, we're we're just trying to emphasize that these are not your uh, your, your your typical law enforcement duty uh, cops. These guys. Are, are, are highly trained. And I, I posted a, a meme today about Google mm -hmm. and Star Wars and all that. I just wanted to read one of the quotes. Okay. And they said, The Punisher isn't meant to be a role model for police or armed forces, so much that the writers of The Punisher made him actively speak out against it in the comics. If you didn't get that, you didn't get The Punisher. Now, take that into context and you see, uh, what is that? Police associated organization there. They're, it's associated with the skull, with the uh, skull. Which one? 
It's um police association. There's politicians, uh, it's a big deal because the politician was, was wearing the Punisher skull or something like that. I don't, um, we'll have to Google it. Oh, you're talking about, um, you'll see it like on hats, t-shirts, stuff like that? Yeah. I think that's more like a signal of war cry or like, yo, I'm, it might be kind of, I was hearing rumors that that's kind of related to no quarters order. If you see that, somebody with that, that means they're taking no prisoners. Kind so, of thing. Okay, so Pulsar, U.S. Police Flag, Police Punisher Skull, Rear View Window. What is that? So the Guardian, how do you stop the far right from using the Punisher Skull? So the police and white supremacists display the symbol. Okay, so this is from the Guardian. Okay. So they're saying, how do you stop the far right from using the Punisher skull? Make it the Black Lives Matter symbol. <laughs> so, sometimes, yeah, yeah. So they're saying the police and white supremacists have displayed the skull symbol of Marvel's comic book outlaw the Punisher on unauthorized clothes, bumper stickers, and spray paint stencils, blah, 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 blah. So I, I only meant to say that this symbol was, it was been associated with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure yeah. if you, you picked up on that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I see yeah. a lot of here in Florida, so yeah. But if you see what what that, what the Punisher was about, mm-hmm. like his character is about vigilante justice. And I mean, granted he had his narrative where he spun it to where it, it was benevolent, but like <laughs> he was going around murking people like on his terms, you know? Yeah. So that should not be a, as I was mentioning, that should not be a role model for uh, for our law enforcement and military. Do you, let me ask you a question. Do you see the secret police or super cops spreading mm-hmm. to every major city of the U.S.? And what effects would that have on an everyday citizen? Well, here's the thing. We, we have to, to define their purpose. Like, will they be doing taking over uh, everyday law enforcement? Or in, in this case, they're saying these guys have been mobilized exclusively for protesters. Gotcha. That's what I'm asking. Like, um, is is what is what is the role for? What is the role on this? Because I don't know. Right now, again, it's like they, they said they're doing it to call the violence. We mentioned before. Like, uh, at least from our opinion, you said you were in uh, Atlanta, and I've, I've driven through other cities, various cities in America as well, and it didn't seem like there was a large-scale civil unrest. So yeah. you need to mobilize um, 75,000 um, specially trained operatives. But, um, is it a... Uh, it's clearly a show of force. I see yeah. that. But uh, again, I don't want to say what could what could go wrong. But I, I have a question for you. Okay. Uh, we already know plenty could go wrong. But um, we we mentioned the martial law, right? Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of pushback from the military. A lot of commanders spoke out and said, like, "Yo, that's not going to happen." And they they clearly put their foot down. Evidently, uh federal officers and uh, local authorities, you know, they're, they're, they have different opinions. Mm-hmm. 
my question for you is, can the police collectively rival the U.S. military? Now, do consider they have, okay. been, they have been stockpiling military weapons and equipment since the 1990s. And I only say this to Payne because what we do on the Upgrade America show is just thought experiment, thought experiments. So mm -hmm. in this particular scenario, you have, um, let's just say this, this, this secret police thing, it escalated and it just got out of control. And it was an occupation, a literal occupation on, on American soil. Okay. Or equivalent to, to their, uh, Is it, uh, would they be equal? Or would they, because you also have to consider a lot of this is, is urban, uh, urban warfare. Mm -hmm. And they mentioned that urban warfare is the equalizer for, uh, for the military. So when you consider it, when you consider it too, what is So basically, this uh, picture what you just said. Mm -hmm. Federal, say, super cops, right? State and local band together against mm -hmm. military. Yeah. Hmm. They would military be. Military couldn't, uh, the, the DOD couldn't exactly use, uh, how do you say, jet planes and tanks and, and all that good stuff. Nah, because you, you're messing with the homeland. That puts in a whole nother contingency for just the executive office in general. You know, they got to go underground now if you're taking it to there. Mm. Um, Which is highly unlikely, but just for, you know, for poops and giggles and uh, thought experiments, me, in my opinion, I, I would say, yeah. And now I, I totally forget the, the act that permitted uh, law enforcement to get, it was, it's more or less, it was like, I do believe there's some aerial equipment too, like drones and, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. And helicopters, boats, as well as you know, regular AR-15s and and, and maybe even rocket launchers. Yeah, I'm sure they got all that because remember, it's military surplus. So I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And then now, if you tie in the federal aspect of it, it just depends on what they have access to before they, I guess, disobey direct orders. I was getting ready to say that because if it's if it's federal troops, it would technically be a rogue military. That, that would be doing this. But I don't know. We, we kind of got away from the super cop thing. But no, nah, I mean, it's all related. So that's cool. I mean. Because, I mean, I brought it up because, again, if, if it gets to the point where military members who swore that oath, they're like, yo, this is like, this is becoming an occupational force. Like, and they had to supersede command. While uh, it sounds unlikely, the possibility exists. That's all. What about. So where does that leave everyday citizens and militias in the middle of all this? Because <laughs> now you got three levels of this now. Think about what we just said. We just okay. mentioned, you know, we mentioned, you know, the feds, they disobeyed direct order. Now they kind of rogue. Now you got state, local together, all banding together. Now you got militaries like, you know, the stormtroopers. Well, and then no, you got civilians. Let's, let's reevaluate that scenario based on the, the information that we have, right? Because these guys are being deployed to a lot of the cities. Mm -hmm. And particularly Chicago is against the will of the mayor. 
you know? So maybe you would not have these, uh, these federal, you wouldn't have cohesion, you may not have cohesion with local authorities and, and, and the feds. What do you think? I don't know, because local kind of scoffs at the feds, because they know once the feds come in, they have control of the situation. Yeah, and that's why I could see a power struggle there. Because here's the thing, what's what's going on right now is totally authorized. Yeah. So what's up, Joe? My buddy, he's active duty, still serving. Thanks for watching, bro. But um, what they're doing is authorized, mm -hmm. but it's usually done, it's encouraged to do with the consent and cooperation of the local authorities. You know, so that's what it's like. And right I, now, it doesn't seem to be like that. Yeah, I don't know. I could see, lo weirdly enough, I could see local, maybe local and state banding with um, everyday citizens or militias, the people who take up arms. I could see that. Versus, because now you put the feds in the middle, and then you got the military, so the feds will basically be fighting from both sides the Fed sandwich of the whole situation. That'll be, now that conflict is, oh my God, complex. Yes, it, it really is. And I, I, I'm envisioning that is kind of like an implosion. Like, yeah. the military is, uh, the, to, do you recall the, the general that, that spoke up against mm -hmm. him? Like, he was standing with, with Trump when he made a, uh, when Trump mentioned <laughs> using that, and then he's like, yo, I shouldn't have been there for that photo op. Like, uh, yeah. what, what, what's being discussed is totally, totally not uh, in, in, in accordance with, you know, with our beloved Constitution, something along those lines. I'll see if I can find that soundbite. So, right. I'm trying to get um, at least eight Secret Service agents stuck in Phoenix. I'm looking for this current event with Secret Service agents. Okay, let's look at this one. All right. So Trump accused of deploying secret police as part of authoritarian law enforcement search. So this is CNN. Okay. I know the other headline was from Epic Times newspaper. I think they're kind of independent news organization. So I, I like how CNN's throwing it out there. They're saying American presidents generally don't try to invade their own country. <laughs> yeah, there's an effectively what local officials say Donald Trump is up to as he prepares to send hundreds of federal law enforcement officers to Chicago, New Mexico. Donald Trump's troops will not be allowed to terrorize our residents. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot has won. Yeah. So uh, Albuquerque leaders say they don't need Trump's secret police. So as we mentioned, like as far as local local law enforcement they don't know if there's going to be cohesion. They're going to be, be like, they don't seem to be embracing this, 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 uh, I don't want to call it an occupation. Let's see, let's first see what they say. So the federal government does have the authority to send in its own law enforcement agents, even against the wishes of local officials. More commonly, it happens with their consent. As I mentioned, like, there's usually like, yo, we need some backup as it's coming in. Like, but just to coming in, it's, it's, What's the word I'm looking for? Impertinent? It's like, in, in the sense of being rude, it's just like, yeah, uh, we, we pull it up. Like, we, we, didn't, we, we weren't invited here, we just pull it up. Yeah, but, it's like... Um, but here's, 
here's where I, we have to look at this number right here. So okay. you're saying Chicago does have a problem. Last weekend, 63 people were shot, 12 fatally killed. So that is a that's a big deal. And we discussed yeah. uh, the episode with Ice Cube, how to curb murders in America. And Chicago is a... Uh, it, it, it's it's getting a lot of headlines. It's like every weekend it's getting a lot of headlines. And do you recall we discussed Chicago in season one? I think so. We did. And then we touched on it on a couple episodes back. But this was one of the few times that you and I, we had a disagreement. I dare say yeah, we yeah, almost yeah. debated because I did entertain the idea of doing what is done now. Yes, you did. But um, I, I, I mentioned more in a show of force in areas where, you know, where, where, where this is happening because and I got to step lightly, but if we the sense of law and order is, is what makes you a sovereign nation mm-hmm. and have areas where you're like, like police can't go through because like people is it's gonna get shot up is kind of absence of law and order yeah and even more so when you have areas where like places are getting shot up and kids are getting hit is also an example of absence of law and order so it's like you and i we have our we had a disagreement on the curbing murder as well for, for the cause of it and, yeah. and we're done about it but um this is delicate, man, because now that what we mentioned before or what I mentioned before is actually in place, I don't know how that's going to to, to play out, particularly uh, just how the tensions escalated before. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it, it's, it's difficult to say, so let me ask you a question. Okay. So these troops are deployed, right? Right now, or... or Let's, let's just rewind it back. We agreed that prior to troop deployment, yeah, they were catching some bodies in, in, in Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let me, if, let me ask you this. If that increases after the deployment of these troops, is it to be... Could you say it's a factor? It could be not necessarily to be blamed, but it's a factor. It's a factor, but then I also think it's a green light for something that presidents or I would say just politicians in general been wanting to do is like come down with a hammer mm-hmm. on crime in Chicago. So, so I think I think it kind of is like all these things tied in. It's a lot of themes tied into that. But what if it works? Hmm. I don't know. You mentioned the green light. Yeah. And if that green light is lit and it works, is it like, remember like right now, it seems very unrealistic that this federal secret police thing, but if it really works, then uh, it may be scaled up. You may have more manpower, but. Then it's, I feel like it would be more of an occupation. If they succeed, then it would be. So, so oh, let me ask you this. I'm not saying the police are doing, local police are doing an awful job, but there's always room for improvement. 
But there's always a silver lining with, again, that what we asked for, a uh, nationwide use of force model. You would have that. Better trained uh, individuals. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not, um, I'm trying to be objective on this. Yeah. Because let's, let's be real. Like, um, we, we got to curb. We got to curb murders, man. Yeah. But, um, at the same time, it, it does, like you said, it opens, it's a, it's a green light for, for a lot of things. So how could this be? What could you do? What what legislation could you prevent all of the things that could possibly go wrong? And that's the other part of when you were mentioning this. Okay, if it succeeds, how long will it sustain? Is the question? Because you know, oh, if it's successful, it's 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 here to stay. Are you sure about that? With the request for defunding police and, and things of that nature, like if it's successful, it's 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 here to stay. Remember when um, when you when you take something away, when the government takes something away from you, mm-hmm. it's very very difficult for them to give it back. Yeah, it's very difficult for them to get it back, but mm-hmm. um. We'll, we'll, we'll just have to see it, but I don't want to say I'm being pessimistic. I, I look for a silver lining and everything, but assume this thing is here to stay. What type of legislation, because there's many things that could go wrong. Mm-hmm. What type of legislation could be, I, I want to see the, the Citizens Advocate Agency working with them. Yeah. Um, if you make everything more community-based on a local mm-hmm. level, you let them lead on it, I think that's probably the best way to handle it. And just for some of the bigger things, like we said, national, uh, what you said, national use of force. If they can just maybe do that, but then let local and state take care of the rest of the issues. Hey, so we came on. in, we squashed this, and now we passing to you to take lead on this, or we have to come in. You already know what time it is. So you're saying that local authorities should have command, and that these guys should augment them more or less and that would not be against them training having feds train local on standardized use of force mm-hmm. like yo across the board this is how we're operating that would be one silver lining in it uh, again like you said we're making it like more community and having local uh, command and, and having uh, these guys augment I think that would that would be That'd be idea, but I'm I'm curious if that was even proposed. Like, was that offered? I don't know, and this is a problem I have. Concerns I have. Number one, civil liberties. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much out of the window once that becomes successful. Say that. Becomes so hold on. Why, why do you say that? This is my thing. The biggest concern I have is the equality of enforcement with this style of how should you say, correction, corrective action, action. Is this going to be applied nationwide as a blueprint for every community? Or is this just going to be crime-filled community? Well, again, we're talking resources and we're talking manpower. 
Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty sure they're gonna um, they're gonna focus their efforts on the the, the murder capitals. Mm -hmm. uh, but. It's it's very complex, man. Because I'm looking at it like, and then you think like you got to also look from the citizen standpoint. Now you got these people like occupying your city, and you're not gonna adjust to that. You're not gonna just. You might stay down for a while, but you're gonna be planning to retaliate or rebel. That's just American spirit. Oh, and I I can only imagine. And um, again, they say as war shrinks civil wars and and terrorism increases because you know governments lean more towards totalitarianism but um so i wanted to discuss on that there's some mention of the anonymity of uh, these officers mm, and yeah. also yes. these snatch and grabs uh -huh. like that's where i i, I feel uncomfortable where you're talking about masked men <laughs> jumping out of vans, pulling people into vans. Not, um, it seems like a lot of uh, violations of, of civil liberties there. And yeah. that's where I, I think I, I, I think is uncomfortable. Uh, that's what makes me uncomfortable about that. And um, there you're, 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 you're really verging on to some Gustavo, uh, you know, secret police, as, as we mentioned before. Yeah. And we've we seen in history, like, we have very good case studies, hashtag mm -hmm. Nazi Germany, on why uh, this type of practice is not a good thing. And again, I, I'm all for law and order. I hate anarchy. <laughs> it's really no fun, man. Mm -hmm. But um, at the same time, law and order needs laws to adhere to. And, uh, and again, as I said, we, we got to take some time, if only to brainstorm about preemptively, mm -hmm. like what type of laws can we write so that this uh, we don't become the Nazis and asking people for their papers. I am I am more of law and community. I think the law and order part is the order bothers me hearing that um, because we know laws can be broken even even the good guys break the law, so yeah. to speak. So it's a matter of resources and wealth determining if the law works for you, and that's the problem I have. That's why I, I, I lean more. My philosophy is law and community. Um, I don't know, man. It's, it's just tough. Like, I've seen other sides of this saying how law enforcement, how ineffective law enforcement is and how they're more reactive than proactive in the first place. So um, I'll agree with you on that we need more proactive approaches. Mm -hmm. Totally agree with you on that. Some more programs to, uh, I don't want to say prevent crime. Mm -hmm. but, uh, I don't know, man. Like, this whole thing is very, I'm just, the ultimate goal is I hope the people speak up loud enough or and are a part of the process. And it's not just a dictatorship, authoritarian kind of situation that we got to look forward to. 
in the future. That, I mean, that's the ultimate goal. As long as we're a part of that process and we're doing the heavy lifting on this. Well, I suppose. My main thing is just trying to, like, put speed bumps in, in, in the road, try to craft some legislation so it's like... Yeah. Because... Right now, we, we, we've seen some light infringements, but I want to say the biggest one I fear is when they just start, when they find a way to justify just coming into people's homes. That's, um, I think that's when you know you, uh, well, they, they've crossed the line, but we got to stay vigilant and we, we got to stay, uh, stay focused and aware. But, is there anything else you want to mention on these uh on how these guys are operating and nah i mean we just gotta follow the developments no doubt no doubt That's and it, it's, it's homeland security and who else homeland security look like uh border patrol think a mix of secret service and i think it's a mixture of federal agencies it's like are they gonna concatenate and just make a new force, a new agency, and call it this? Because oh, right now, it's just like, I can only imagine whoever's doing the accounting is like pulling their hair because you're taking resources from all these different pools. But mm-hmm. again, we'll see who's uh, how this thing evolves, how it works out, if there's any silver linings, if if it uh, if it, a prey does not get abused. Yeah, uh, tell people to Google. I guess it's Operation Legend. It yes, is what Operation falls under. So you know, if you want to look it up for yourself, I don't know how firm it is. I know that was kind of the name floating around for these events. So, oh, let's bring that up real quick. Skim over it like uh, not even five minutes. All right. Operation Legend. I think that's the name of what. Yeah, it sounds very familiar. So they got Wikipedia right here, so they'll just give us just a bit. Awesome. Operation Legend is a law enforcement operation in the United States initiated by the administration of President Donald J. Trump. The operation was named after a four-year-old legion. It's like a French Jen Tafler, yeah, killing that name, who was shot and killed in Kansas City, Missouri on June 29th, 2020. Interesting, I did not know that. Operation Legend was implemented after President Trump began deploying law enforcement agencies to crack down on violent crimes in the wake of the George Floyd protests. For Operation Legend, agents from various federal agencies were deployed to aid city and county law enforcement officers. Okay, so I'm saying there, it's the aid them. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit more in the background. In, uh, in the early morning hours of June 29th, 2020, yeah, they're talking about the gentleman who was killed. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, yeah, they got a lot about the reactions, but that's the gist of it more or less of what's going on and like i said i'm, I'm curious to uh how this thing evolves and, and how it plays out particularly in chicago 
where yeah. uh, demonstrated that is they're heavily armed, you know, and they, they ain't scared out there to, to pop up. So we'll, we'll see how this, this works out. At that same time, it's like meeting force with force. <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm just trying to think, right? As a military strategist, like it, it's it's only going to result in, in, in more force. Mm-hmm. You know, whoever casts the, the the first stone, you know. So. Um, I tell you what, America doesn't want that. They, they, they really don't. I don't want that. I don't either. <laughs> and I'm just like, yo, peace is always the best option, or, you know. Interesting times, bro. Interesting times. Yeah. Um, like I said, that's all I really got on there. This is not uh, an end all. I know we didn't really cover it uh, too much in depth. We're, we're going to go further in, in detail as this evolves and, and progresses because um the deployment i don't want to say it's finished it's, it's perhaps it's still in progress yeah pretty you know? much and so uh as this story develops we're we'll keep you updated in the meantime right. stay vigilant yeah man y'all be careful out there um do it yourself politics next topic how to run an effective campaign in the 21st century including rona rules or the rona aspect of this moving forward so take it away okay um so how to run an effective campaign so this is something that that we've just been experimenting with like when i first wanted to run for president and then i was comparing myself to to the other billionaires and people with a lot of money i'm like how on earth am i going to do this and um, first thing came to mind was the internet. And I thought it was silly at first to run an online campaign while everyone's out like shaking babies, kissing hands and stuff. It's the other way around, but I let it slide. <laughs> I did that deliberately. Kissing babies, huh? Did that deliberately. Oh, shaking okay. Shaking babies, kissing hands. <laughs> <laughs> Great. But like, I knew I didn't have that capability. I was even brainstorming, I'm like, Man, even if I took off weekends and like road trip to like various different states, I wouldn't be able to get it done, you know, yeah. driving in the car. So I was like, it had to be online. And I don't want to say the internet is like the equalizer, but to some extent it is. Like, and essentially, right now, in the current political state that we're in, he or she who raises the most money wins. And typically this money is converted into political ads because we already know the power of the almighty media. Whoever raises the, you know, political ads is, you know, you're reaching the people, you're swaying opinions. It's a very powerful thing. But here's the thing. Viral marketing is people are, can go viral for free and reach millions of people. And that's essentially, that's essentially what these politicians are paying for. They're paying for the ability to reach millions of people. But the internet provides that avenue. And uh, to, it, it provides that avenue to reach people in all 50 states, if not across the world, you know, simultaneously, without having to hop on a bus and fly here and there. 
And in my personal opinion, that is the cornerstone to running an effective campaign. What are your thoughts, man? I wrote down some stuff, and I, I advise people who are interested in running politics, no matter which lane you go, independent, Republican, whatever. Uh, it's on Netflix. It's called Knocking Down the House, and it has okay. um, ALC or what was it Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez. Mm-hmm. She's kind of the face of the documentary, but it shows other people running in different areas. There's a lady from West Virginia, Nevada, and St. Louis, I believe. And it was a very good documentary. And I was taking down some notes watching this last night to just kind of see what it looks like running for Congress. All of them were running for Congress in some form or fashion. Um, Like you mentioned, social media is very heavily important. Um, Simple and clear messaging is very important. Um, A coalition of supporters, very important. Grassroots movement to get that groundswell going. Um, A short, sweet model. How do you define grass movement? That's like basically the people coming together behind your cause. So everyday neighbors, your neighbors, people in your neighborhood, that's more like grassroots. Okay. Crowdsource campaign funds. You mentioned campaign um, funds for ads and whatnot. Um, let's see. The biggest thing I saw with AOC is she hit voids that the establishment was overlooking or neglecting. So, for instance, she had this town hall meeting with this group of people in the Bronx that went viral because she called him out, the establishment person that was in place who she was running against. Yeah, and she exposed those people, and then she got to talk to these sections of the community within that meeting, and that gave her a lot of shine, a lot of momentum. Um, and then campaign flyers in various demographics and languages and regions, based on neighborhoods and ethnic groups and stuff like that. So those are the things I saw is how to run an effective campaign. So what was that documentary called again? Uh, knocking down the house. Knocking down the house. I'm gonna, I'm gonna check this one out. It would be an interesting case study. Yeah, it is. I am in process with the dear lady Nyasha that we are filming the Upgrade America documentary, and it's more or less going to be doing the same thing, but instructing individuals how to independently run for president of the United States. And Mm -hmm. again, on this do-it-yourself politics thing. One, we want to expose that there are little to no barriers keeping you out of this game. Yeah. And, and additionally to that, we, we want to encourage and instruct you to, to get into this process as well. And it's it's sad that it's a, it's a money game. Yes. Because, again, if, when it's a money game, you will never outspend the billionaires or the corporations. They're not going to outspend them. Hence, their uh, their agendas, their interests will always take priority over yours. And it's only been 200 plus years that America has been a nation. And it's like the people have not figured that out. People just haven't seemed to get that, you know. But I think 2020, the age of enlightenment and all, people are waking up to that. 
and we're doing our part to, you know, to wake up the people as well to get them involved in this process. Perhaps not in 2020, but I'm very confident I will take the White House. If not, you know, perhaps in the future, one of you will independently do it as well. And another thing I noticed, the big thing I took away is you gotta, you gotta find your way in. You gotta find like that, that weak link of area that's, say like uh, you're running for a position that's unopposed, mm-hmm. something like that, where it's really the person is establishment and they're used to winning, but they're not used to having to fight for their position. So that's another thing I noticed with um, AOC is. That dude, I forgot his name, Tim Crowley. Um, he was there for like 20 years, something crazy like that. But he was used to just basically winning every year, like not having to fight. What I liked about AOC is she forced him to come down ground level. And he had to fight. Mm. And she won 82% of the vote when she got elected. That's crazy. Wow. For a first timer to win that much of the vote against an establishment politician. How old, can you emphasize how old she was when she did that? I am not sure. I know in her 20s. Um, I mean, and yeah, yeah, because that's why I really wanted to point out is because right now, let's say she's 29, 30-ish. I'm not, I don't recall her exact age, but she was in her 20s when she did that. And it's like, again, there's no, you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have a certification. You don't have to have X amount of dollars. Like you just have to have will, determination, and confidence to run for any position. You know mm-hmm. that it's it's open to the public, and that's so what we really need to emphasize. She was basically 28 when she won. 28 years old. That's yeah, wild. She turns 30 this year. So yeah, that is wild. So so all our younger upgraders, you guys got a shot. Um, it's up to you guys. It's up to our generation as older millennials and younger millennials. And then the generations below us, it's up to us to change all this. And we're getting to an age where we're going to be relying heavily on you guys because it's going to be your future. So we want to send that shout out to you guys. So um, I briefly want to talk about um, the power of the vote. And gotcha. says that voting doesn't matter. Voting doesn't matter. And I'm still optimistic and, and, and I believe that nonetheless I still want to I don't want to say put democracy to the test but another reason I'm running for president of the United States is to, uh, to to prove that my vote does count and what I mean by that is I'm obviously going to write myself in for president and anyone who wants to uh, they may write me in as well but um Somewhere that's going to be captured in law as a public record. They have to read that vote, read that ballot, and be like, okay, one for Cameron Rock. In addition to the countless millions that they're going to get as well. But they have to document that. And if that is not documented, then uh, I dare say I have to question the, the validity of, uh, of my vote. But... It's, it's just something I'm, I'm looking forward to experience. But uh, like, again, it's, what we have, this thing, it, it is very powerful. It, it's very powerful so much that uh, politicians invest a lot of time and energy just to get their the numbers on their polls up. Like, they don't care about what's going on in the world. They care about those poll numbers. 
But anyways, um, you got anything on um, any more on do it yourself? No, it was just highly. It was a very um, touching documentary. No matter what spectrum you're on, I want to make that clear because we're not partisan. Yeah, and are very independent, non-party affiliated. Like we're all about policy and who's going to do the best for America. Hence, upgrade America. That's that's what we're. Fun fact about the uh, the logo, like uh, this is the color when you take red and you take blue. Oh, yeah. That's right. Democratic red and democratic blue. This is the color that you produce, and hence it's a fusion of the two. Like we're independent. I'm independently running for president of the United States because there are some policies from the Democratic Party that I am in favor of, and there are some policies from the Republican Party that I'm in favor of. And I think we need a meld of these two, a hybrid, if you will. And uh, this will help us upgrade America. But yeah. yeah. Yo, what's um, up? thanks for watching. Yo, so shout out your uh, 3D printing adventure. Go um, ahead and touch and on that. Don't get me started on, on, on that. Like, um, I'll tell you what, why don't we, well, we can wrap up with that. Let's briefly discuss those poll numbers with um, Biden and, uh, and Trump since we're on a political subject. Okay, yeah, I got it right next to that. So let's look these up because I was trying to go as current as possible. Okay. I think it's kind of day to day, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah, so while you're doing that, I'm going to look at the FEC website. And what's cool about the FEC.gov is they actually list how much each candidate has raised, how much money they raised. And uh, you can, it's not so much real time, you gotta do quarterly reports. And then you say, hey, this is how much bread I got. And the numbers are astonishing, it's a lot of money. So let me see if I can find that. Raising. Ooh, man, poll numbers are, it's, it's interesting. Yo, read them off, bro. Okay, huh? I think as of Saturday, by Google, multiple sources for poll. Um, they got Biden up by 10% versus 50% 10 points, and Trump is at 40. 40%. So Biden is in the lead. Basically, electoral predictions. They're predicting that Joe Biden's gonna win 297 in electoral votes, predicted. Trump is gonna win 126. Now, wasn't it the same way with Hillary last time? Yeah, so I don't know. This is about to be very interesting election, more so than I thought it would be. Basically, all Biden got to do is, excuse my French, not fuck it up. Like, all you got to do is stay the course, whatever he's doing besides his gaffe, which we'll talk about. I was going to say, besides saying, like, the, uh, who was, what did you say, Trump was the first racist president or something? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Just stop saying things like that, and, you know. But he, on the FEC, they're saying that... Wow. I don't know if this is um, up to date, but they're saying that Bloomberg raised like a billion. 
he raised a billion or he put his own money up that was a billion? Yeah, either way, they're, he's leading the charge. My understanding is out of the race. Yeah, yeah, he's been out, what, two months now, something like either that? Either way, yeah. I guess is what he spent is like that one billion, one million, one hundred thirteen thousand eight hundred. Yeah, he spent it. Yeah, he spent a billion. And they're saying that Trump only spent or raised rather three hundred and forty two million. Damn, still a lot. I'm looking here. Let me see what, else, what they have for Biden. It's not leading the charge. Wow, the Democrats raised collectively. They've raised uh, nearly three billion. Oh, really? Biden's campaign or just in general because no, of the I race? Think or saying, I think they're saying collectively. So it says total by all presidential candidates running. Okay. So they're saying for the Democrats, it's saying two, 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 two. Yeah, 2.3 billion. The Republicans are still, um, how do you say, three, um, 300, 362 million. So that's not as. Um, Okay, individually, Biden has 278 million. Okay, so Trump is basically outspending him. Yeah, Trump, but as a party, the Democratic Party is raising the most money. Mm. I know based on one of the political podcasts I kind of tune into on occasion, on NPR, they're pretty neutral for the most part. Um, it's very digestible. They were saying that Democrats are definitely still on guard and nervous based on 2016, how that election went. So oh, they're yeah. basically imagine. put off the Don't gas. something up his sleeve. Yeah, absolutely. But what do you think this means, though? Like, the, does, is this relevant to you? Does it, did, like, do you think Democratic voters are resting assured because of these numbers or, or what? You, you, know, you mentioned they're on guard, but, like... I think they're more, I think they're on guard. I think they're going to stay on guard until, like, they get victory this time. I don't see them letting off this time. I'm curious to see how the prognostication goes come election night. I want to see the mood and right leading up into the election, what that looks like. I'm curious to see if they're going to be, say, cocky like last time. I'm curious to see, too. But again, has he announced his VP? No, we're still waiting on that from what I can see. Great, um, Zach. Great question about him. I say his uh, his VP essentially Dick Cheney-ing it, i.e. running uh, the country as the v- as uh, as the VP. You know, like um, I'm real curious to see who he taps on the show. All right, so let's see. Um... I'm, uh, I'm looking up a link real quick to see the top 10. What, so top 10 like, for SVP? Yes. Looks like Tammy Baldwin, a Wisconsin senator. Um, okay. Gina Raimondo, Rhode Island governor. Karen Bass, uh, what is she? California congresswoman. Uh, Val Demings here from Orlando. She's in Congress. I think mm-hmm. she's a senator in uh, House of Representatives. 
It's a big uh, no, jump. House of Representatives. A lot of these are Congress people who are potentially jumping from there to, to mm-hmm. um, how do you say, riding in the back seat of the presidency. Yeah, so, Michelle Lujan Grisham out of Arizona and Texas. No, governor of New Mexico. Okay, Elizabeth Warren, Tammy Duckworth, also I can see Elizabeth Warren. Also, wouldn't Illinois. be idea, huh? Wouldn't be idea, but I could see him capping her. Susan Rice, former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. Um, Keisha Lance Bottoms, the mayor of Atlanta, Georgia, and Kamala Harris, California senator. Once Not a Democrat- fan. Huh? Not a fan of Miss Harris. Yeah. But at the same time, I could totally see her for the black card. Totally see him using uh, using that. Like, yo, let me get that black hole with. Come on. Well, but let me ask you a question real quick. Who's the one with the ambassador to the United Nations? Uh, Susan Rice. She's a black woman as well. I was just, I'm just curious, just hearing her position. Well, it's a lot of overseas experience, I imagine. Her and uh, Tammy Duckworth, the senator from Illinois, has she's a combat veteran, disabled combat veteran. You said she's um, she was, senator? Yeah, she's a senator and she I noticed everybody on the list is a woman of color. Peace out, IG. Um I noticed every woman on that top ten list is a woman of color. So you got Latina, Asian, um, I think Kamala Harris is black and Indian, I believe. Um and Latina. And then you have the one, uh, Elizabeth Warren, one white woman. So it's gonna, I feel like it's gonna be a woman of color. I gotta, I gotta throw it out there for that. Uh, didn't she claim to be Native American? Yes, there's still questionable outcome on if she is or not the authenticity. I think she apologized and said she overstepped or her family is like a family folktale or something like that. So, Did she do her, uh, how do you say, her ethnicity test, her DNA test or something like that? Because I, I recall she got some sort of award for that. I'm not sure on that. I know it wasn't too good for her. She definitely got slammed on that once they figured out like she wasn't authentically Native American. Yeah, like, yeah, you shouldn't play around with that. Hold on. While uh, you're covering it, I want to... <laughs> um... I don't know. It's going to be interesting who he chooses. I don't understand why the delay on why they're choosing who they're choosing. Is it politically strategic to wait right before the next set of elections? Because Florida is up in August. We we go to vote in August. So I'm not sure on that, what the wait is. I don't know, what are they saying? Uh, the Washington Post is trying to shake me down with this. Uh, sign up if you want to read this article and tell you what you want to know. Let's say if USAA today will give me a skinny. End of Elizabeth Lawrence presidential campaign. New claim on American Indian heritage. In her own handwriting, Elizabeth Warren claimed Native American heritage. It's hard to imagine what she was doing if it wasn't to advance her career. Anyways, I'm not going to dwell too much on that. 
But um, that's a very interesting list of, of who he selects, and that's strategy as well. And I suppose that's why he's uh, refraining from uh, making a rash decision on disclosing this uh, this individual. Yeah. But probability, it's may very most likely be a woman of color, which is interesting. But uh, you had a question on what that meant, like for what does that mean to you? A woman of color? No, like, a woman of color. Uh, would you say your analogy was like running the, the pretty much with his condition? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I asked, I asked the question: Will Biden's VP really be acting as president if he wins due to his cognitive issues that are a concern? Mm-hmm. And I think pretty much based on that list, they all seem very sharp women, like mentally. So mm-hmm. it's just a theory of mine. Whoever comes in with him is going to be probably doing most of the heavy lifting behind the scenes. He'll be in front. But I think behind the scenes, his cabinet. He's just like a, like, a, like a literal figurehead. Absolutely. That's that's my uh that's my take. The president and they can wave at him. What was that? You ever seen the Sopranos? Yeah. Great show on HBO. So it's like Tony Soprano. I hate how it ended. I hate how it ended. But I wasn't a fan of the cliffhanger either, man. It's like it really leaves you it leaves it up to your imagination because there's a lot going on near the end of the series. But anyways, in the beginning of the series, like what was his uncle Junior was the boss. There's this old uh, demented guy. He wasn't making the moves on the streets. He was just like the face of the organization, like the boss on paper. And he even took the most of the heat, like the Rico raps and stuff from the feds. While Tony Soprano like was the underboss and he was really running the organization from behind. So it would be like a similar uh, analogy to that. Like, hey, he's the face. That's- Everyone rolls their eyes like, yes, the president. And then yeah. the scenes behind. It's interesting. I think it's going to be a very tight, tightly ran administration if Biden wins. That thing is going to be what tight. What do you mean by that? It's, it's going to be very tight. Tight because like, his, cognitive, like, his cognitive issues, I feel like they're going to protect him as much as they can tight like there's not going to be a lot of media exposure and he's not going to be because really he's not required to give all these statements trump just likes exactly. to go talk to these people so he could very well have a, a, a representative wow now that's would be i don't want to see they would keep him isolated but i could see in these times of covid and even with his with his health will be like a uh shadow president like he's back there somewhere which you're just going to deal with different faces of the administration interesting yeah um so biden said what was the clip trump is the first racist president what are your thoughts on that statement alone (laughs) i mean like clearly he missed the meme on mount rushmore (laughs) right you know where they had uh what they say um of course george washington owned slaves and Theodore Roosevelt said, like, any, the only good Indian is a dead Indian. And then uh, who else is on? I just visited Thomas, Thomas Jefferson. I mean, 
pretty much they were all like raping slaves back then so like it sounds very silly and, and, and dumb but again like he's gotta talk during a <laughs> campaign every now and then some bullshit's gonna come out but like they gotta talk maybe if they could like fasten him into like a ventriloquist or something like have someone behind his back just like pulling the strings and just making them talk and intelligent words are coming out of his his mouth rather than this shit he may you know it it may work better but again i think think, like you said they're just the party is just utilizing him as a face they just just yo just make it to november just get to no get him to november well you might as well say january because that's when he's officially in but yeah basically because it's like he, he can declare he can say all the craziest things in the world after the votes are cast. You can't unvote them. Yeah, that's true. Alright, so let's go on this last part of our rapid politics. Mm-hmm. What if Trump is re-elected or Biden wins? Which has a bigger impact? I mean, collectively, everyone is looking at like Biden taking office like Jesus Christ walking on water and everything's going to go back to normal and be better but it's like yo whoever takes office still has to manage corona they still have to diffuse racial tension and they still have to come up with some uh you know everything to do to uh, how do you say mitigate police violence there's still a whole can of worms that's that's on uh that's just out there that people got to deal with Nonetheless, well, to answer your question, which is more of an impact? Yeah, which which one has a bigger so, impact? Uh, it's, I think the the name just because uh, I, I, I would say a large group of the nation they they have a lot of hatred for President Trump. They do. Maybe it's the media, effective uh, media or, or whatever. There's a lot of people who they have hatred for Trump. I'd say that would be very impactful because it's like, I think the country would sigh relief because there are, there are people who, who view Trump just like they view Corona, but they would just be like, ah. Oh. So I suppose that's, you have that impact. But then if in the event that he wins, you know, this racial tension that, that's fusing, and then you, you again, we mentioned this, this force that's mobilizing, and uh, the authoritarian state—that's uh, kind of that's a big deal too. So yeah. I don't know. I, I think I dare say another four years of Trump would be a bigger impact. That's what I've been wrestling with too. Which evil do I want to deal with the next four years? I'm like, okay, Biden is Biden. Establishment. But, but here's Biden. the thing, uh, and I, I suppose I should slow down with that too, because I, I forgot another aspect of it. What? That the Democratic Party and their representation of the corporations and how they are pushing this vaccine and social distancing and everything along those lines. That I suppose that's my concern that would emerge from that administration is like. Okay, now hold him down and give him his inoculation. That's my concern that of what could, of the evil that could emerge from there. 
So, but I can also I can argue the point the lack of leadership on the Republican side is why we still have these Corona outbreaks and climbing numbers as well. Texas and Florida for two good examples and Florida leading in that charge. So I can make. I'm ambivalent on that data. If I really if I wholeheartedly trust that data, particularly with the medical or I'm sorry, the monetary incentives that hospitals are getting for declaring Corona deaths for declaring uh, Corona patients and things of that nature. Like there is a $3 trillion industry in America for healthcare at the moment. And I dare say in these times it's spiking up to five, mm-hmm. five trillion uh, is probably what is contributing to our GDP. So don't get it twisted to the point. Like it's like there is an incentive on making this a uh, pandemic with medical supplies, with pharmaceutical companies, with contracts for vaccinations and things of that nature. And then the icing on the cake is when you mandate the vaccination. Well, well, goddamn, you got 100% of the American population as your customer there. You're going to make some buku bucks. So there's that's just a potential reality of that of what could emerge under the democratic uh, regime. But then we also discussed on uh, which way you know, it, it could potentially go with uh, with the right. Hence, Upgrade America, Cameron Rock 2020. <laughs> All right. So I think we've tapped into the poli- politics of the day. Um, so we got the rapid race car topics. We're not going to go crazy on these. All right. Black Stock Exchange. How do you feel about that idea? Black Stock Exchange is cool. I'm very, uh, at the same time, I'm deviating further from uh, conventional securities and, 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 and dabbling more into crypto. But um, at the same time, having ownership in this industry, I think it's, 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 it's great. It's something we need to do to further build black wealth. Um, okay, so I'll read a quick. What about you? I'd like to hear your thoughts. I think it's dope. I think it's time. Um, whether you're gonna, and I'm sure they're gonna have cryptocurrency and all that, Forex, all that involved in it, the way we're going. So I don't, I think it's a great idea. Um, so long story short, I guess it's called the Dream Exchange. We're gonna have to do more research on it. I'm just gonna read a quick summary. Founded by Joe Ciala in partnership with Cadiz Capital Holding LLC, a black and minority owned private equity firm led by William H. Ellison, who holds majority ownership of the exchange, created a platform to provide a space to match small and emerging businesses at an early stage with investors to generate more wealth creation for underserved communities. Interesting. So they're saying they're working with businesses in the early stages? Mm Mm-hmm. So that's something we may have to look into while um, we form the LLC and then and some of our business expansions. It's going to be pretty exciting. So that's something we're going to add to the show as well, because, you know, in these times, everyone's got to get that entrepreneurial spirit. We're going to cover some of the basics, give you some guidelines, how to get into that game, how to form your LLC, how to do your trademarks, all that good stuff. Just stay tuned. You know, we're ever evolving the show. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good thing. It's positive news. And on to other tragic news. I'll read this real quick. 
20-year-old Texas woman. I think she's a South American uh, woman, Gloria Bambo. She was found hanging in her roommate's garage on, I guess, July 24th. Wow. Um, 20 years old. It was ruled automatically pretty much by the police a suicide. So no clear investigation. This is in McKinney, Texas. I feel like it was another incident in McKinney, Texas for some reason. She is found hanging in the garage. Oh, okay, July 12th. Um, she went missing that Thursday, supposedly died the same day, July 9th. Body was found three days later. Nobody heard anything. Nobody, none of the residents. Now, it's, it's just a random garage or like? No, it's where she was living. Interesting. Um, let's see. I'm just looking for like quick other details. They believe it's a suicide. I don't know. Just the fact of how they just instantly label it a suicide like we've been talking about all these hangings that's like the quick go-to excuse so the family's looking into it i hope that they get justice that is deserved it's very unfortunate this young lady died underneath her friend's noses and like, it's like um there seems to be an emergence of of, of hangings whether it's suicide or uh or foul play like I'm not too certain what's, what's going on with this. So hopefully they get justice, man, as we've been seeing with the Breonna Taylor, which still no justice. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's horrible. Like, if you can't trust people you're living with, I think everybody she's living with was white. Um, Oh, wow, really? I did not know. I, I think know. so. I think everybody in the house, the owner of the house was white. I think it was, it didn't really specify, but I think they were white. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? And we'll go to I the mean, next given that, again, you said it was in, uh, in the, the garage. I'm thinking it's just like, uh, you know, she's living with family or, or something like that. But now that you mentioned that is, um, yeah, it's a bit strange, and perhaps they need to do a, a further investigation, considering you have multiple people living in, in, in the place where this, uh, where a body was, was found. Yeah, like, you know, she's missing for three days, and you don't go in the garage for three days. You really walk past the garage and never open the garage, never go in there. And that's, I'm like, um, that's uh, maybe that. That's again to me, it's not, um, it's not adding up. But um, again, there's probably a lot of evidence that I'm not privy to. I didn't see how she was found or she was yeah. shot or, or anything along, along those that nature, you know. And um, it's <laughs> it's. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. May have there maybe well, last year were they just not covering all these, or, or is it like seems to be an emergence of these things? It's yeah. Pretty all right. So on to some more positive news. Okay. A black American social media app. 
on the horizon. It's called. I'm about to pull it up right now. It's called Foundation Flex, and I read what it's supposed to encompass. Foundation Flex is the world's first social media networking app for foundational Black Americans to connect and share information about their lineage. Users can post message updates, links, pictures, or videos on their main feed. There is also a private chat section where users can correspond one-on-one with other users. The app also has an essay to use a family tree section where users can post names, images, locations, and dates of their family lineage. That's pretty cool. And it's on Apple and Android. Sweet. I have to check them out. Yeah, so, and why it's kind of a good thing, because we know, as we know, social media tends to censor black uh, content creators, very much so, on all platforms. I've, uh, I've, I've heard that too, and I've, I've heard a lot of that on TikTok as well. I, like Anonymous made some message about um, why we should delete it anyways, but this is a great thing for, uh, you know, get more black people involved in tech. I dabble in tech, the whole slogans, upgrade America, you know, like uh, we got that tech life. So seeing uh, more people involved in that, it's it's always a great thing. All right. The last part of the race card topics is the not fucking around coalition. (laughs) The NFAC. Yeah, they are in Louisville, a show of force and support for the investigation of Breonna Taylor. Um. So, okay, so are any of the super cops dispatched there? Is that Was that on the list of, uh, was Kentucky on that list? I don't think so, but if yeah. they were, I'd be curious to see how that would go down. But what are your thoughts on, on them being in, uh, in Kentucky? What do you think is going to, what type of outcome do you think is going to come from this? Okay, so to put this hold out, on, hold on, hold on. Before you before you answer that, I suppose for our, our new listeners, we should tell uh, like who they are. Like more okay. or less, they're a black militia of uh, heavily armed black militants, and they went to the heart of, uh, or at least the one of the founding places of the Ku Klux Klan, and they had a rally there with mad guns, like probably uh, a a black armed rally bigger than anything the Black Panthers have thrown it in in the 60s but anyways um, also they um they descended upon the neighborhood of Ahmad Aubrey and that unfortunate lynching we saw on tape in Georgia as well I guess they're based out of Georgia the Georgia area the state of Georgia um they also showed up for that case so they've been gaining a lot of publicity and a lot of notoriety and they also have their detractors the saying that the head man in charge, I guess it's Grandmaster Jay or something like mm-hmm. that, is possible a possible agent or cointel pro. Interesting. So I've been seeing folks from the black community kind of so question you think that a um, questioning their uh, So I mentioned that about uh, something about that when you have a group of that size, there's always spies, there's always infiltrators. But in this particular theory that the leader is a spy or an agent or an operative is wow now there's a twist i, I didn't see that one coming but um, you 
that's that's interesting. That do you have any other uh, insight on that? Well, there's. I was trying to watch. Um, basically, somebody break down like this dude came out of thin air, and then all of a sudden he got a militia. So had they been working underground and just these events have caused them to come above ground and gain I mean, more notoriety. So there are countless black militias now that yeah. we, are, we are unaware of. It's mm-hmm. And again, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. It's just that, you know, current events have caused a lot. One, they've caused recruitment to, to, to surge, as well as the requirement for these militias to, to really show their faces. Because it's not like, yo, during, and there's no such thing as normal, but you don't just march your militia down the street just like every day. Like, yeah. You know, Sometimes like this. But I don't know, perhaps um, maybe we, we need to do a deep dive on, on Grandmaster Jay and, and find out a bit more on him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised, though. Um, basically, I got it from the website. Two members had an accidental discharge mm-hmm. part of his group it happened um this happened in louisville also the right wing boogaloo boys came a, sto- a step closer and they also counter protest i guess in louisville um Interesting. so you're saying you had two groups of armed protesters like with the protest and the counter protest yeah that's what it looks Was like it solved peacefully it looks like so far I haven't heard anything. Good, that's what I'd like to hear. I'm not against uh, protesting with guns. If anything, in these times, it proves it should be a mandate. Like uh, just to come up with signs and shit, and you know, and and people are busting tear gas. I mean, you 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 kind of set the precedent on what it needs to be. But at the same time, where two armed forces are coming together, you have to have discipline within your ranks, or you will have chaos and slaughter. That's never any fun. Yeah, and, and that's our one concern is we know people, let's be honest, we know these militia groups want a civil war. They've been itching for it. That is the, that is the name of the boogaloo. It's the whole yeah. purpose of that. And um, to try to in, incite that. But yeah. Time, um, again, there is a benefit to inciting hatred into the hearts and minds of the black community. And um, dude, I'm pretty sure there's agents and provocateurs who, who are trying to do that. Don't fall for that. You know, try to maintain neutral. But, you know, defend yourself by any means. That's right. Um, so that's all we got for the race car topics. Now we're moving on to rapid society topics. So is Trump trying to slow down the mail because we're going to be doing a lot of mail-in ballots this coming election due to his latest move on, I guess, the postmaster, the head postmaster of the U.S. Postal Service mm-hmm. he appointed recently. So they're trying to say, and it's, it's very strategic, to be honest. We had a topic on the death of the post office going private. Yeah. Um, couple episodes back, a few episodes back, season two. Um, I'm trying to see, they're saying the guy is basically, he comes from a corporate background or something. The guy that's now put in charge of the U.S. Postal Service. So basically he's saying they're trying to make the post office more profitable by minimizing the amount of times they deliver 
regular mail. Oh, and you said minimizing the amount of time? Yeah, they're trying to consolidate it. To so they're saying, spending. oh, make more money, but provide less service? How does let's, that make sense? They're trying to, let's see, um, obviously make the post office private. Mm-hmm. And I'm not against that. I mentioned that in the Upgrade America Policy for the Future book. They're basically That's trying to end overtime work, right? Mm. They're saying, um, they said 40,000 workers had to quarantine for two weeks after exposure to the virus, according to close sources of United Postal Service. Um, let's see. And we also talked about the basically a lot of people get their shit email anyway. Yes, true. So bills, all that stuff. But you still do have a need a fail safe for regular snail mail. I do believe in that. Um, I can't see who the guy. I'm looking for who the guy is so I can get it right. Um. Here's some numbers, though. In late 2011, United Postal Service announced nearly $3 billion in service cuts that slowed first-class mail delivery for the wow. first time in 40 years. It ended with 2012 fiscal year with a record net loss of $15.9 billion. Whoa, $15.9 billion? Compared to the same period the year before of $5.1 billion. I'm not trying to say how hard it, how hard can it be, but like that's this is another reason why I say I I, I would more likely to see this task done by a private organization. One, they can you can have 24 by 7 operations. You wouldn't have to just get mail on certain days. You can get mail like every single day, and I think the private sector encourages efficiency. You know, but yeah. Um, I'm very, I'm on, I'm on board for modernizing it as much as you can and simplifying it because mm -hmm. I can't say the postal service is kind of tedious, like most government things, like we talked about, making it more layman and making layouts and stuff a lot easier to deal with. Government has a way of getting you bogged down in the weeds with doing simple tasks or looking up simple information. The amount of people it would affect is my concern. That's a lot of people you're laying off. You're talking about thousands of people losing their job. Um, um, I get what you're saying, but couldn't they just like easily be absorbed into the private sector? Like negotiate I mean, deal, like, oh, we're gonna give you X amount of resources. We're gonna give you X amount of, uh, even the vehicles, you know, like, write a deal to where all they, they they get all that stuff and, and part of the contract hold on let me see real quick okay I'm trying to find out what's see how you uh how this could impact the delivery of mail in november i totally see that yeah okay so he's been appointed he is, I'm trying to find some quick information on a U.S. United States postmaster. American businessman, Republican Party fundraiser appointed in May 2020. Um, donated 360000 to Trump's 
re-election campaign and roughly 70,000 to the Republican National Committee. So I think this is before he got appointed U.S. Postal Master. Wow. So <laughs> talk about corporate interests. Something we've been talking about wrestling with, lobbying and things of this nature. Um, yeah, it's the setup is in, obviously. I mean, you could do two things at one time, but the cover of the death of how the U.S. Postal Service is run is very convenient right before the primary election with us having to lean heavily on mail. Everything is political, bro. Everything is political. But like I said, it's no secret the two and two are, re- are, are related. It's definitely going to impact it. How so? Um, is this enough? Is this the Trump card? <laughs> yeah. Uh, to, how do you say, raise those numbers? Who could say? But it is a possibility. And again, it's like, um, I don't know, man. I don't know how I, I this could all get that online voting. All this could be easily worked out. Upgrade America has been saying it. Like every system should be nationalized, localized, and state. You know, everything should be uniform across the board. So everybody's working on the same similar system, same system. Break it down by regions Southeast, Northeast, Mid Atlantic, you know. Great Plains region, West yep. Coast, Pacific Northwest, Southwest. You know, come on, man. Like, we we have the capability and know-how. This should not even be an issue. But here we are. I know. Um, <laughs> all right. What else we got on the agenda for here? We know what it is. Like I said, um, we know how we can fix it in the future. Yeah. Come on, rolling, straight up. All right, so we got KFC using animal flesh cells to 3D print chicken meat at Russian Lab. Wow, a lot going on there. Yeah, yeah, that's real crazy, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. uh, Recently, I guess I'll use that as a preamble into my 3D printer experience. So, like, what a 3D printer does, it takes any type of material. Generally, it's, like, on a spool. Or, and then it, it feeds it through a machine to a heating element where that whatever it is, whether it's metal, whether it's plastic, or in this case, it's meat, it's melted down and then it's printed into various different shapes. And when I'm telling you with 3D printers, you can make car parts. They're making artificial organs, like a heart, artificial hearts and stuff like that. Like the implications are endless. For me, I was very surprised that, you know, that they are 3D printing meat. Not surprised. Uh, really not surprised. And it's most likely blended with various different types of things and not 100% meat. So, like, everyone eating that processed food, man, you have no idea what you're eating or, or how it was created. But I can tell you how this was created from 3D printed plastic. And it has been an experience. It's like a hobby thing for me. The 3D printer I have is called the Ender 3. It's like a hobby printer. And I say that because it took me six hours to make this. So I couldn't just like print myself to financial freedom because I'd be here until the cows come home unless I sold these for a million dollars a piece. 
And I'm still debating. If you, if you want it, all means. A million dollars. Nice. But, um, so, How do you- I have a 3D printer right here. So it'll oh, okay. start off like this. And then, more or less, like I said, it goes through this machine. Here's the anyone's watching. It, it feeds this stuff through the machine, it melts it. You make your design on the computer, and then this machine is so smart that it's just like, it takes that design, and then the machine, the printer is just literally just moving back and forth, up and down. It has a Y, Z, X axis, and then it just moves around and it sculpts this thing out of hot plastic. And it's incredible what you can do. I already told you, like, people were making car parts. Someone has made a canoe, an entire kayak. People have made entire homes. And yeah. that's where uh, my book, Skyward, Building the Dream, is heavily utilizing this technology. Or that's what we intend to do, is to take the world's plastic and recycle it into these and literally build homes for the homeless and um, essentially the tallest building in the world. You know, 4.4 miles high. But yeah, like all this can be done with 3D printing. And what's really awesome about it is like, while this is the logo, on a grander scale, this could be an entire floor of a room. You know, you could print everything out and then out of plastic and it would come out like that. And I'd, may, I'd say maybe like three days it would take on a really huge machine that you could print like someone a plastic trailer park, you know? And again, I emphasize that plastic is $300 per ton. So you can literally get a ton of plastic for, for next to nothing and build homes. Like there is no reason why in 2020 with all this technology that we can't end homelessness and then still clean up the environment. So that's yeah. why I'm really excited about 3D printers is learning about how they work and learning about what you can do with these things in, in the future. The, the implications are, are endless, bro. Like, very, very exciting times. Um, how do you feel about eating 3D printed meat? I don't think I'm going to eat every 3D printed meat. Because the same time, it's like, remember we talked about the predicting protein sources in the future would be bugs. Yeah, that would yeah. be bug burgers and, and things of that nature just because pound for pound, I believe we waste like 40 to 60% of cows. Like we don't use a lot of, there's a lot of waste product. It takes a lot of water to, you know, to raise cows and, and everything. So ideally they're saying bugs, little grubs, worms, all that stuff is ideal. So maybe they would take that and then 3D print it in the burgers and you know, and chicken, because everything tastes like chicken. Yeah. It's a possibility. Don't tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I, I wouldn't want to know. I'm thinking about the labeling requirements on that. Say we get to this point where that's almost the standard and we're getting away from agricultural meat, per se. How do you label that and who's really going to eat it after they read the ingredients? Um, so I, I was shocked to find out that McDonald's, I'm, I don't know how they are now, but McDonald's double cheeseburgers, like they were like 40% meat and like a large percent tofu. It was like a blend. And I didn't know that. And I was eating that like 
without uh, that being disclosed to me. So it's like, must they disclose? I mean, I get you have to disclose that there's meat in it, you know, for vegans and things of that nature, but must you disclose what type of meat? Because they don't say, hey, in this hot dog, you have pig lips and- Yeah, that's true. And a cow's ass. And you know there there may be a, a some goat testicles in there. They don't tell you what's in, in the hot in the hot dog. There's the blender, all that stuff, and some rats if they fall on the machine. But yeah. like, I I don't know as far as 3D printed meat, bro. Like, um, it's this is the brave new world where we're going to. Yeah, because I look at it's neither vegan nor real meat, but it's basically a GMO. Not saying we don't eat GMOs anyway, because we do, especially in America. Pretty much most of the shit. Definitely, definitely we consume that. My thing is, like, not, we had this discussion, but I'm not so much against the cloned meat as if if it's the accuracy is high. Like, if it's like 100% identical to, you know, a grass fed cow, and then they can grow the tissue without even growing the cow, meaning no cow has to die, they just grew the flaming young. I'm gonna be against it. I don't know, yeah, I'm just curious. And I don't, this other thing I don't, th- I, I think about, with, even with slaughtering the animals, right? Mm-hmm. Why are they not using the remains for fertilizer, for soil, or some other purposes? I don't know what they do with the, Who could say what they do with the waste uh, products? Yeah, that's what I'm curious. Maybe really- it's like they're breaking it down from a consumption perspective. Like, listen, you can only you can eat the ribs, you can eat the you know wherever the steaks come from, you can eat the cow's tongue. Sometimes yeah. you can eat the tail, but it's like you ain't eating all of these. These products, I don't know. I really yeah, don't. I'm just, just curious on that. All right, last topic: deep blue sea in Florida, the ocean of unknown. These little pockets of blue holes that what they have. What is that about, man? Um, I saw it somewhere on IG, another podcast I listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really dope. What's his name? Lord Newbie? Think so. His podcast is really good. Um, I forgot what. New new Radio or something like that. Shout him out. Okay. He gave me the idea. I'll make sure I tag him and stuff. Um, so, Mysterious Deep Blue Hole off Florida's Gulf Coast, which is like our west side, like towards Mexico, Panhandle, Texas, all that area. Um, searches for signs of new life in these holes. They said there are massive blue holes formed thousands of years ago. They're unexplored and they're a mystery. Researchers are flocking to a 425 foot deep blue hole off Florida's Gulf Coast next month in search of signs of life among other things it's been dubbed the green banana blue hole what, what do you mean by that like break it down for our for our listeners and our, our audio listeners in particular like what, it's like what an actual it? blue hole like it kind in of the ocean though huh in the ocean mm-hmm. so it's like there's water in the hole it's, I'm, I'm really not seeing this yeah, it's it's wild. Like, and they uh, think well, they think there's life, like extraterrestrial life, or or just like undiscovered, undiscovered, uh, 
aquatic life on Earth. Because here's what I find fascinating is that people want to go to Mars. They want to leave the planet, but we've, we've barely scratched the surface on our own planet. And it's like, if we're just little creatures that are living on the surface, like, could you imagine what marvels are, are in the core, in the, in the center of, of Earth? I, I, it's, it's mind-boggling, but I can only assume they're going to send some robots or something, right? Yeah, it's, it's, they're saying it's five, uh, 150 feet below the water's surface. So, wow. Um, it was first discovered by, not by researchers and scientists, but fishermen, recreational divers. It's similar to sinkholes found on land. So, and, it's like, uh, so I'm guessing it's like, okay, you got the ocean, then you got the ocean floor. And then they're just saying it's like a dip within the ocean floor? Hey. I'm learning. That's nothing that's unusual. Yeah, it's wild, bro. They're saying um, because Florida has a lot of underwater sinkholes, springs, and caverns, there's no telling what these are like. Okay. So I'm just trying to see if they. how deep they can go. They had another one, 350 feet. What's the, you ever heard of the Mariana Trench? Vaguely, yeah. I kind of, because I'm terrified of the ocean. I'm not even going to lie to you. Yeah, the ocean is no joke. Mariana yeah. Trench is supposed to be the deepest aquatic place on Earth. So this thing goes, wow, 1,100 meters. So that's 36,000 feet. Seven miles deep. Damn. Wow, that's a lot of pressure, bro. But How yeah, far have we got? Have we gotten that far with a robot or whatever? Um, so I know we've dug into the earth, I believe, about twelve miles. Not in the water. But mm -hmm. as far as water pressure, I'm not too sure. How uh what's maybe I'm sure we could find that on a quick Google search. I don't know, like I'm, I'm very, how should I put it? Um, Diving robots. I'm very creeped out about the deep ocean stuff and the outer space stuff, but I understand the importance of trying to learn and explore. Hold on, hold on. Speaking of the, the Mariana Trench, the, the answer to your question on about the robots. So the May 29th dive of the nearest achieved a depth of 10,000 feet. 3,500, I'm sorry, 10,000 meters, 3,500 feet, making the world's deepest dive, uh, driving vehicle. So yeah, it explored the, the Mariana Trench. But you were saying you wanna, you're about exploring? I'm about exploring, but me personally, I'm kind of like, what's down there? Nah, I'm good, y'all figure that out. I'll just like give I said, me the bro, details. There's nothing for robots to do that. I don't think people yeah. are gonna go, because the whole pressure thing. Yeah. You know, I'm, I don't know how Aquaman does it, but like people are gonna <laughs> splat like pancake. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's still worth exploring for the resources and and, and also signs of, of, of life as well, you know, in uh, potential herbs and medicine that, uh, you know, could be, could help up on the surface. Yo, shout out to Lamp. 
you listening. Made a really great contribution to the to the Upgrade America show. Appreciate okay. that. But uh, yeah, that's all I got on uh, on that. What else we got on the agenda? That's it. That's it. Yeah. Oh, that's man, it. So, and that was a great that was a great show. Really ran through that really quick. Yeah. Um, our, our takeaways subject is um you know there is a new law enforcement force that's it's emerging in major cities across the nation. It's not so much martial law because the martial law is applied by military. These are federal agents, highly trained federal agents, and it's just the start. We're gonna see how it works out. But what are you, what other takeaways you got? Um, just the scientific frontier of growing meat. I know we're already doing it, but replacing the idea of replacing that like i'm just thinking of it and then also for me like watching that documentary bringing down the house Mm -hmm. and seeing like how a campaign works and seeing the victories and defeats um kind of gives me hope in the sense that if all of us really do want to fight for where we live and fight for democracy that's the way to go is we're going to have to get involved in politics at the end of the day at some point. We really do. And like I said, if if anything, if all I can do is just a, a encourage and instruct people to get into this, be like, yo, this is really all you have to do. You just got to fill out this paper. If, if that's all, all we can do on this show, then I humbly accept that task. I humbly accept that charge. And, you know, we're going to do it wholeheartedly. And make sure everybody knows how to upgrade America. But yo, yeah. it's it's Sunday out here, man. It's beautiful. It's it's. I don't know where you at in the world, but I hope everybody's enjoying themselves, enjoying their time, staying blessed, being nice to one another, taking care of one another, staying vigilant, you know. And again, it's it's a collective effort to. To upgrade America, you know what I'm saying? It's like it, it starts with you with, with voting, but at the same time, like even sharing ideas for bills, for legislation, like that's where it starts. It starts with an idea. But yo, that's all I got, man. Really great show. I appreciate everybody hanging in. Like, share, subscribe. You know, like again, I want to emphasize the whole political movement. If it's about money, we are not going to win. But if we make it about awareness and we use this social media, like that alone is how you can overcome that. Like it's, yeah, Upgrade America. That's that, yeah. bro. Closing remarks? Um, yeah, that's that's all I got. I really enjoyed this episode. It's very interesting. We, we went deep dive into our thought exercises. On the Sunday with that Marianne Trent. <laughs> that too. So, yeah, I, I've been enjoying pivoting from all the heavy stuff and digging so, back so. to the roots of what our podcast is based on, more like the fascination with science, technology, society topics, along with politics in a more digestible way. And, um, you know, because socially we know we've been in a hard time right now. America's going through transformation. Um, That's the way to describe it. Yeah, and it's it's overdue. Um, Black America's been screaming about this forever. And thankfully, Tarona, we got everybody's attention. Now we're going to see what we do with it, you know? 
Till I catch you on the next episode, all our upgraders. Peace. Stay blessed. Peace. Alright. Uh, I'll kill it. Recording right here.